Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're here with your hosts Liam and Bill. Welcome, Bill. Yeah, good to be here, Lee. We've uh, just had the grand final. Yeah, big dance, finally over, and uh, West Coast getting up. Yeah, um, amazing grand final, one of the best we've seen in a long time. I think uh, we had that drawn grand final between St. Kilda and Pies, which is a great game, but a bit bit of a disappointing finish, obviously, with the draw, and this one just delivered with that, uh, what was it, five-point win for West Coast in the end? Yeah, 79-74, got over the line, but it was really a classic. It was one of the best grand finals I remember watching. Almost was a blowout in the first, like, you know, 10 minutes. I thought, here we are in for another, you know, Geelong v Port Adelaide star blowout, but... uh, no, West Coast pulled it together and uh, we got a uh, absolute ripper. Yeah, too, right? When Collingwood were about five goals up there in the first quarter, I was messaging you saying, looks like the Pies are premiers, this game's over. And that's sort of what I was expecting from the game, one team to, to just jump out to that early lead and I thought they'd run away with it. So, uh, yeah, West Coast getting those two goals before quarter time was really important, I think, gave them a bit of a chance and then, yeah, as you mentioned, just an amazing comeback. Yeah, when Stephenson kicked those two back-to-back, I was like, oh, here we go. They're getting up and about. Usually when they get that roll-on, get the crowd behind them, Collingwood can sort of sort of put those teams away and they kicked a couple more and up the first five goals in a grand final, you know, not many teams would lose from that position, but um, sort of West Coast changed their tactic a bit. You're right, those first couple of goals that they got before quarter time were really important. That Willie Rioli one just crazy wasn't it yeah a bit of luck there for the for the eagles and um yeah just super important i think to get those goals for a quarter time and and to have that base to launch from um obviously thoroughly outplayed in that first quarter to be only three goals down was a good result and then from then on as you mentioned a bit of a change in tactics seems like they were able to force the pies to play their game um a bit more of a long kicking game and, and dominate with those marking targets kennedy obviously jack darling turning on in the third quarter was good to see yeah, that second quarter was a real arm wrestle, wasn't it? And I couldn't really figure out why, but I think it was mainly just West Coast just slowing the game down. They wouldn't let sort of Collingwood run on top of them and have that quick rebound game. They sort of turned into a bit of a dogfight there. And in the third quarter, you're right there, big marking targets, especially Darling, who was a bit quiet at the start of the game, really came into their own and they started really getting on top. Luke Shrew with the non-Smith medal, obviously everywhere. And then in the last quarter as well, really impressed by Dom Sheet all day. And then to take that mark and... And kick that goal um, on the boundary line, just, you know, absolute ice in his veins. Fantastic play by, by Dom Sheed. Yeah, Dom Sheed, I mean, he's been one of those players that everyone was, like, waiting for him to break out and be a midfield star for West Coast and really hasn't been able to, even all year, being really inconsistent player. But fantastic on the day. 32 touches and the match winner. Decided not to take the snap, just went back with the drop punt. Do you like that? Yeah, great to see. Um, right side for him, obviously, being a left footer, um, which is a bit lucky, but... Yeah, just absolute ice in his veins to seal that goal from the boundary. I'm pretty glad that he went for the drop punt. Turned out well in the end. Apparently, that's um, the side of the ground where they go down the race afterwards after training. So, they said, you know, every time we're leaving the training track, everyone's trying to dob goals from there. And he just went back and he's like, I've done this a million times. Kicks it, turns to the pie supporters down there in the pocket and just lets them know about it too. I quite like that. Yeah, it was great. Um, just fantastic comeback by the Eagles to get in front there. Um, peppering the goals in the last quarter, it seemed like the... The floodgates are about to break and then obviously got in front about 90 seconds ago and managed to hold on. It's just a fantastic game to watch. We were close to having one of the big grand final blunders when Darling dropped that mark in the goal square as well. I thought, oh God, here we go of Collingwood score and win. Darling might never ever live that down. Almost lost the game, but uh, they managed to hold on so no one will really remember it that well, I think. There were winners on both sides. Obviously, we mentioned a few of the Eagles boys. Um, for the Pies, there's a few players who played pretty well. I thought go was good. He managed to kick three goals and... Um, yeah, just stood up in one of those big games. Um, I think you liked Tom Langdon, Lee. 
Yeah, loved Langdon's game. I thought in the first half he just took a couple of really important, you know, one-on-one mark wins and a couple of really just important touches where, you know, this is the best footy I've ever seen him play. Really highly touted coming out of his first couple of years in the system and then sort of dropped away, but his final series was really impressive. Um, Adams as well for Collingwood, I thought really played a fantastic game. I think they're the two pies that can really hold their head up high. And as you mentioned, Dugowie, that first goal where he just broke through like three tackles and then snapped it through the middle is just, you know, that big game play which you want to have on their team. But, um, there were some pies that sort of let themselves down in the day. Did you have any that you really thought didn't stand up in the occasion? Yeah, it was a lot of talk, obviously, um, in the week with Sidebottom doing well on the Brownlow and, and killing it in that prelim final as to whether he was going to get tagged. And it turned out he did. And, um, yeah, shut him down really well. I think he ended up with about 14 touches and not a lot of impact on the game. So that would have been disappointing for him. Another one on the pies, I reckon Grundy sort of had one of his lower games, only 10 touches, we're used to him getting up near the 30, really couldn't um, have an impact on the game, which is really interesting um, considering the way that West Coast was able to sort of quell Max Gorn the week before and then Grundy there, the two best ruckmen in the comp, so both the ruck coach and the midfield coaches there. Mitchell has been sort of pointed out as one of the key instigators in their tactics throughout the middle during these final series, really figured out how to take the game away from those dominant ruckmen, I think. Yeah, and also a good effort by the the two West Coast rucks there, playing in tandem, Scott Lysette and Nathan Vardy, um, both Two talented, big athletic players who um, yeah, did a really good job calling those rucks, as you mentioned. As you said before, the Norm Smith to Luke Shuey, sort of, he's cemented his name as that big game player, kicked that after the siren goal against Port Adelaide uh, last year, was it? Um, in that double overtime final, which was incredibly imp- impressive. But now to come out and get the Norm Smith, I was lucky enough to pull him out in the sweep with the, with the mates I was watching the game with. So I was quite happy to see him get up, uh, win the Norm Smith. But um, he just played an incredible game. And I think the champion data and AFL teams have come out and said with their power rankings, their champion data ranking points, that game was the best final that we've seen in the 2000s in terms of impact points from a player. So it's a really fantastic match and well-deserving of the medal on the day. Yeah, there was West Coast uh, winners all over the ground, I think. Some of their key position players, obviously Kennedy played quite well. He had 18 touches, 11 marks, managed to hit the scoreboard, three goals, two um, and then down at the other end, I was really impressed by Tom Barras. Um, he managed to take 10 marks. Not sure how many of them contested, but probably quite a few. I saw him flying for a few big pack marks and taking them down, which is really important. Yeah, a few. I remember a couple of him just diving backwards and clunking the mark, which was really important. And um, equally as good, I thought, was Will Schofield. I thought he was actually incredible. I don't remember him losing a one-on-one all day. I was watching him pretty closely because of you know he was in and out of the team and sort of got his chance later in the year put in to play those last few games and I thought the way he was able to stand up in defense winning one-on-one after one-on-one was really fantastic and he can really hold his head up high. Yeah great game by Schofield and obviously as we mentioned by the Eagles in general um, congratulations to them on being the premiers they're a team that we didn't really expect to win the flag and um, we, we wrote them off pretty heavily at the start of the year thinking they yeah. were going to drop down um, a few older heads there couldn't really see it and pulling it together this season um, the way that they did and, and to do it without Nick Natnew and Andrew Gaff as well, both sitting on the sidelines, was an absolutely huge effort. So congratulations to the West Coast Eagles. They've also already labelled themselves as back-to-back hopes. I read an article on AFL the other day of them saying that they'll go back-to-back. Uh, you think they're a chance again next year? I mean, you know, they're, they're going to retain most of the squad. Hopefully Nick Natnui back by that time, um, potentially losing Andrew Gaff. Uh, seems like they're going to get Cali from Geelong we'll mention that a bit later when we talk trades but uh, yeah I see their squad's going to be relatively the same I think they're going to be a decent chance at at least competing for it but <clears throat> as we've seen this year with Richmond and 
a few teams recently. Um, you know, it's obviously quite hard to go back to back. Um, there's the famous Lee Matthews quote about dynasties being talked about in retrospect and not in advance. And we sort of saw that this season with everyone thinking Richmond were pretty much Monty's to win the grand final and obviously not even making it. So, yeah, it's a long road ahead for the Eagles if they want to go back to back. Spoke of a few trade targets. We might as well get into a, a few of the rumors and uh, trade talk around a few players so far this year. We've had a lot of big names. Really, just when we're making this list of players, a lot of people potentially on the move this year, I think, compared to other years. We've got a lot of movement and a lot of different teams and different players sort of being talked about to be sort of in the box seat for, for big, big changes at their club. Are there a few big fish that you want to talk about that might be moving this offseason? Yeah, the first one I'd probably like to mention is Lockie Neal. He's Seems like he's coming to the Lions, which is a great get. Um, probably on most statistics, top 10 midfielder in the league. So to get him across uh, to the Lions from Western Australia and he's a South Australian boy, so not really the go-home connection there or anything, um, that's a huge coup, I think, for us. Yeah, massive get. Um, came out last night or the night before and won the best and fairest there at Fremantle. And I think today is actually sent in the request for the trade to Brisbane. So it is actually happening. One of those rumors that we talked about on the pod, you know, a few weeks ago about whether it would possibly happen but it looks like it's actually going to go through what do you think it'll take to get the job done there yeah Frio have come out now and it seems like they've accepted that he's going to leave um, they've mentioned that Brisbane's first round pick currently pick number four probably pushed back to pick number five um, is not going to get the job done and I think that's sort of what most Brisbane fans are expecting anyway um, could be some movement there perhaps a three-way trade involving one of the other targets here we'll talk about Jesse Hogan but I think it can get done relatively easily, pick four, pick 22, and maybe some change here or there. But I think the first and second round picks for the Lions will form the, the basis of that trade. Yeah, I heard um, Frio's list manager talking on trade radio about the picks, and he was saying that they are really interested in that pick five if Lockie Neal is to go, but that probably won't be enough to get it done. Sort of what you're saying, that it'll probably be that first pick and some extra steak knives in that deal to get it done. They're sort of playing the hardball, saying that they're not necessarily going to let him go, but with all these other possible trade targets for Fremantle, it'll really improve their sort of setup and spine. You assume that they're definitely going to get this job done. Yeah, I think so. Um, so Jesse Hogan, we mentioned, is it seems likely that he's going to head back to WA this season. Um, the D's seem pretty keen on, on moving him on, which is a bit of a surprise. They want to get in Stephen May, it seems. But yeah, with Jesse Hogan up for grabs, I don't think that Freo are going to want to leave him on the table for another year and, and give West Coast a sniff. So I think the Neil deal will happen and, and the picks that go to Fremantle for the Neil trade will help form the basis of what the Fremantle Dockers are going to send to Melbourne for Jesse Hogan. The Jesse Hogan trade's just really intriguing for me. He's still young, what, 23 or 24 mm-hmm, or something? 23. And just has incredible statistics for a key forward that young, you know, kicking bags of goals every year. He's a 40-plus goal player on the regular, and he's able to have an impact around the ground as well. Do you see their sort of forward setup this year with, you know, McDonald coming in and uh, the young forward, what's his name? Wiedemann. Wiedemann. They're really, really hot on Wiedemann sort of taking over and just having an impact up forward. A lot of people commenting on Melbourne even playing better footy when Hogan wasn't in their side this year. What do you make of all of that? Yeah, it seems like obviously a season or two ago, Melbourne would not have even considered letting Jesse Hogan go no matter the price um, with the move of Tom McDonald up forward and the emergence of Sam Wiedemann. It, it does seem like they're a bit more open to the idea and if it can help them bolster their key position defense stocks by getting in someone like Stephen May it does seem like they're open to the move um yeah it just seems like not something they planned but now that the forward half has sort of fallen into place like that um also talk about them getting Proust across from the North Melbourne Football Club um he'll play up forward a bit so with those three 
playing up forward. It seems like Hogan might sort of get squeezed out, as surprising as it is. So you mentioned May there, which they're really keen to get in to shore up their key position stocks. Is it one of those things where they see the addition of May over like a Frost or a McDonald down back as being a greater differential than what they see between Hogan and Wiedemann right now? Yeah, it seems like that. I mean, it's obviously hard to tell what's going on in the in the heads of the upper people at Melbourne, but it does seem like they're very keen on Stephen May. He obviously adds a lot um, defensively and even offensively. He creates a lot of play out of that back line. Um, so I think, yeah, they're, they're more keen to bolster their defensive six and allow Lever to play that spare role that he did at Adelaide. And yeah, it just seems like Hogan's going to get squeezed out and Freer will be the beneficiaries of this. The May one's a really interesting one, considering we'll get to Lynch in a moment, but they're the two co-captains there at Gold Coast, both looking at leaving. I'm really seeing Gold Coast as potentially playing really hard ball with May. They've got him contracted for another year, already losing Lynch. The ability to keep another captain on that list, somebody who can sort of hold that senior position in the team for another year, is a really good opportunity for them. And if he does leave next year under free agency, they'll probably get, you know, picks two or three or wherever they finished on the ladder, a really good pick for him. So anything they do get this year has to be a really nice offer to sort of get the Gold Coast to be able to let him go. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's why Hogan will probably get moved along. Um, Obviously, Hogan will fetch a high price and then those picks they get from Hogan will form the basis of the May deal. So we're sort of seeing that the Neil, Hogan and May deals are all going to be sort of reliant on each other. I think those dominoes will fall not so much quickly because these trades tend to drag on, but I do think the Neil deal is relatively straightforward, at least compared to the other two. And once that one goes through, the other two will start to move. Yeah, so it might even be something that really drags on late into the trade period, which might hold up a whole lot of other deals with some other players going to these clubs potentially. So it might be one of those years where because we've got these three big names sort of connected with potential trade moves that we might see a whole lot of movement later in the in the trade week, I think. There's a few other big names on the move. Um, Andrew Gaff has been obviously speculated about taking a deal at North Melbourne. There's still not really much word on that, which is a bit surprising now that we've obviously had the grand final and a bit of that has settled down. Um thought that he probably would have come out and announced by now that he wants to go to North Melbourne. That's been the talk for a while. Got quite a lot of money on offer there, but as of today, he's still undecided. Yeah, it does actually sound like he's actually undecided, which is quite incredible. I would have assumed that at the best and fairest the other night, he would have gotten up there in his speech and either been like, you know, I'm staying or, you know, really thanks for the time and then come out afterwards and told all of the players that he's, he's on the move. But we're already a few days into free agency and we haven't heard anything. There's been reports coming out yesterday by a couple of reporters saying that now they think he's going to stay. But I think the general word is they think that it will be a move to North Melbourne. Yeah, and with uh, the news that Kelly, Tim Kelly from Geelong has expressed an interest to move back to Western Australia and specifically the West Coast Eagles, it almost seems like Gaff might be pushed out at this point in time. Um, Kelly obviously could slot into that midfield and probably play for a lot less money than Gaff is at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It'd be a, a really handy sort of player movement for West Coast if they do lose Gaff to be able to bring someone in of the class of Kelly is a really important player. Even from one season, what did he come top three in the best and fairest there at Geelong? And there's, you know, so many great players that are, are running around for the Cats at the moment. So it's a really good feather in his cap there. The Kelly trade, what do you think he's worth? What do you think the Cats will be okay with letting him go for? Yeah, it's an interesting one. He was drafted, obviously, only last year as a mature ager. I think he went about pick 25 or so. So he's yeah. obviously improved his value there. Um, as you mentioned, top three in the best and first. I think he finished second, which is an incredible achievement for a first-year player. You'd imagine he's worth at least a first-rounder, um, you know, potentially even the top 10. But it'll depend on, on what West Coast have to play with um, when all of this sort of 
falls their way out. There's going to be a compensation pick for Gaff if he leaves. That'll be around about the late teens, I imagine. So that might get it done. Geelong will probably push for more. Yeah, so if Gaff does leave, it'll be the pick after their first, which will be pick 19, which is going to once again drag up all of those questions about is it a fair system when Gaff will get 19 and other players will get, you know, even higher because of the latter position of that team that the person's leaving from. But pick 19 will be the compensation for Gaff. Do you think there's a chance that West Coast will be very unhappy with that and because he is a restricted free agent, match whatever North Melbourne's offer is to force a trade here? Uh, I don't think they'll be too happy with that. Pick 19, obviously, for Gaff is not really a fair deal, but um, I don't think there's much chance of them matching. If, if Gaff has said that he wants to leave, um, the money on offer from Port is supposed to be, sorry, from North Melbourne is supposed to be quite large, so I, I don't see West Coast. If they, if they match, they actually have to be able to prove that they can match it. They can't just say, oh, yeah, we'll match, we'll trade now. They have to show the AFL the books and prove they have that money, and I just don't think they do. Obviously, they've just won the flag. Um, the offer is upwards of one million a season well upwards of one million a season so can't see a match there yeah i can't see it either if they were pushing a match that'd be to try and get that pick 10 off north melbourne but north melbourne are very keen to send that over to port adelaide in the jared Pollock deal yeah north melbourne got a lot of uh irons in the fire it seems this trade deal so as you mentioned Pollock from port adelaide and then also they seem quite confident of getting aaron hall from gold coast We've already put the video up on the um on the website reminiscent of mitch clark to frio um, which didn't end up panning out so Possible warning there for North Melbourne, but it does seem like Hall is going to go relatively cheaply to North Melbourne and, and join Gaff and Pollock, potentially. Yeah, the video is quite a weird one. I saw um, Gold Coast list manager on Trade Radio is very unhappy with how that's all played out, him coming out and getting on North Melbourne's, uh, you know, what was it, their Instagram or wherever they posted the video, um, talking about his trade there when the trade hasn't gone through not very happy there over Gold Coast, but it does seem like Hall will get over. doesn't sound like he'll cost a lot. They're saying, you know, third round or four, fourth rounder or something like that for him. And um, we've heard before on the pod, he's a player I quite like. I think in our preseason thing, I said he could go as high as top five in the Brownlow this year without Ablett and playing full-time middle as the man. Obviously didn't pan out, but I really have high hopes for Hall, especially the way he was playing off halfback through those last few games for Gold Coast this year. I think that might actually be the position he takes over at North Melbourne as sort of that distributor running line breaker off halfback, which I think they're lacking a bit over at, over at North. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing out of Gold Coast is they're not too concerned with his uh, loss and probably due to his lack of defensive run is is sort of what I'm hearing. But as you mentioned, very offensive, um, damaging player who will probably add a lot to North alongside those other two if it all pans out that way. The trio addition is quite interesting having Polek, you know, that outside running class. Gaff can sort of play most positions but sort of fills that similar role and Hall, as we said, line-breaking offensive player. Do you think that goes well with the midfield that North Melbourne already have, which, as we've mentioned on the pod before, is largely defensive with a few taggers and players like Cunnington, really in-and-under type players. To have these, you know, really class distributors around the outside might really change the dynamic of their playing style. Yeah, I think it does, and, and I think North have done really well here if they do manage to land all three, and they'll add that extra offensive power to that midfield, that um, outside run, as you mentioned. They're a pretty contested um, midfield at the moment um, good at that inside ball and sort of just yeah like dour and, and a bit defensive minded so which is good you know obviously that helps them win a lot of games that they're close games that they have a chance in but this will just sort of propel them to that push for finals I think 
So these three players addition into the team, we're going to see Polak drag, you know, upwards of 700, 800,000 a year. Gaff would be on even more. And the talk is that they're still really keen on fitting in Kelly come next trade season. There's going to be a salary cap push here for North Melbourne to bring in these potentially three big names on big contracts when they do have players like Ben Brown, who will be demanding big money and other players on their list that will be wanting to get paid as well. Yeah. So word is that North Melbourne have actually managed their cap pretty well. Um, apparently they've They've paid forward on, on quite a few players. So, like, your Zeebles and Cunningtons have been getting paid overs now for a couple of years on the understanding that they'll now take reduced coin. Um, as well as that, Todd Goldstein is expected to sign on his next contract for much less than he is on currently. So, um, word is that they're, they're going to fit these three in relatively comfortable and, and still have quite a bit of money left over for Kelly, who they're seemingly quite confident of getting next season. So, do you see this addition probably pushing in to top eight, top four, top of the ladder for North. Is this going to drastically change their output next year? It's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because um, a lot of people expect them to pretty much win the spoon this season and they've almost made the finals. So they've perhaps performed better than um, expected. They'll have a bit harder draw this season, obviously in that middle bracket instead of the bottom four fixture-wise or bottom six fixture-wise. But um, yeah, I think if they get all th- three of these players, then there's no reason they can't play finals, you know, at least be in contention for finals as they were this season. And um, yeah, they'll be hoping to go a bit better and push into that top eight. Well, North have their eyes on Josh Kelly. A lot of other clubs are looking at another class midfielder over there at GWS. Dylan Shield linked to a few Victorian clubs this trade season. Yeah, um, there's your Sanersley who are linked to offering pretty big coin, apparently 1.3, 1.4 million a season. Um a lot of money there. There's Carlton, who probably offering some money, and then maybe some under the table money. Who knows? And uh, brown paper bags. Yeah, the talk of him flying around to Noosa on the private jet and all yeah. that. But um, yeah, there's also Hawthorne, who seem like they've got their noses in front. Um, obviously, less coin to go there with that whole, you know, where Hawthorne destination club, blah blah blah. So it does seem like at the moment he's leaning towards Hawthorne. Although I personally think that money at St Kilda would be pretty hard to turn down. Yeah, it seems like those three plus Essendon are the ones that he met with. Essendon, I really think, are the ones that have fallen out of the race so far with not really having the currency to to offer him at the moment. Um, St. Kilda is probably the next one up. We've got the big money offer, which I really like. I like that they're actually going for it, putting big money down on the table. We've obviously got the trade um, stocks with the pick four to be able to satisfy Gold Coast somehow um, with a trade, which is good as well. Carlton offering a little bit less money um, there, but also I'm not sure how they're going to get that deal done with them saying that pick one's definitely off the table. They've got their eyes on Walsh and that's not going to change. And they've got their other picks sort of um, tied up in a whole lot of other other potential deals. So in terms of the money being a bit less than St. Kilda and the currency being a bit less, probably Carlton looks like a less appealing offer, but we've all heard about how Shield loves Juddy. He's got a dog named Juddy. He wears five because of Juddy and Juddy's flying around in a private jet. He probably does have a uh, bit of a connection there with some of the players and uh, coaches in the Carlton lineup as well, being former GWS ones. And as you said, Hawthorne probably conceivably the front runner at the moment. He said he wanted to come to one of the biggest Victorian clubs that he could to get exposure. The money's a bit less, but obviously the ability to play finals because they came top four at the moment has to be something in his mind. Um, Yeah, still undecided though. Still hasn't come out and um, made a decision. You think it's going to end up probably being Hawthorne? Not too sure. So just to jump to a different trade target here, the Saints have got, um, everyone's known this for quite a while, they've got a pretty big money offer in front of Hanabry or more so taking his big money offer from Sydney off their hands. Um, so Hanabry will 
move to the Saints. Um, they've also lined up Dean Kent from the Demons, who I think could be quite a good acquisition playing in their forward six there and adding an extra dynamic to that forward line. So with the addition of Hanabry and Kent, they'll obviously be going to Shield and, and selling that future hope. Obviously, the start of last season, it looked like the Saints were ready to push forward towards finals. Um, didn't really pan out, had a bit of a horror year, but they're obviously going to be pushing for that goal, I think, again this season with those additions and, and trying to sell that future to Shield. So just probably depends on, on whether they can sell him with them being a realistic chance of playing finals because, as we mentioned, the money offer is a lot larger for St Kilda. So if he does think they are a realistic chance of playing finals, I think that'll be his choice. Um, Hawthorne, obviously in with a chance, pretty sick of seeing people, you know, Tom Mitchell, Yogo Amira, and now Dylan yeah. Shield potentially go to Hawthorne. So I'll be rooting for St Kilda or Carlton in this race, but it does seem likely that he may end up at the Hawks. So you mentioned Dan Hanabry there, St Kilda sort of taking that um, reported $800,000 contract off Sydney's hands to get him over. Hasn't played very good football last year and the year before, not at his best either. Um, lots of reports around his injury history and him training through a lot of injuries and playing the years underdone. And he thinks that given his body enough rest and recovery, he'll be able to hit next year firing. And he reckons over the last few weeks of uh, this most recent season, he was running as best as he ever has in the competition. So really good signs there. The Saints can get a leader, strong midfielder, bit of class around the ball. we really important to us. And um, I actually really like the Kent signing. How about you? Yeah, I think it's a good signing. Um, he was playing good footy this season before his injury. He's shown that he can play at the highest level and contribute, um, especially on the scoreboard, which is something the Saints could use a bit of help with. So, yeah, I like that one. He'll come cheaply, and that's a good pickup, I think. I was having a bit of a look over the most recent weeks at, um, you know, the forward setups from the good teams of this year, you know, your West Coast and your Collingwoods that were in the grand final, and you look at their forward setups and all six of their starting forwards pretty much have kicked over a goal a game this year, kicking 20 goals. Um, each for the season, whereas you look at Saints forward line, we only had two players, Gresham and Membry that did it. So to bring someone in like Kent, who's, who's hit those targets before will be really, um, great for us to have more options up forward, um, to go along with, you know, the additions of Bruce and some injured players who can come back into that forward line. Be interesting to see how this all plays out for St. Kilda, um, potentially with the addition of Shield and Hanabry there. Looking good to push for that final spot next season. Um, there has been some talk about Jack Stephen not being too happy with the, um, you know, continual struggles, I guess you could say, at the club and, and talk of him wanting out, although it does seem like uh, this has been sort of put to bed in the last couple of days. Yeah, lots of talks about, you know, the Cats offering big money because he's been, you know, he's from Lawn down near Geelong and a few other clubs inquiring about him. But um, from everything that's come out of the club and his speeches at the Best and Fairest and pretty much everyone around um, the St Kilda Football Club, I've seen interviewed saying that, you know, there's no chance he's leaving, he's staying and he's committed to the club four-time BNF winner now um really just impressive Saints man and uh, I hope he stays around I hope all this is scuttlebug but um yeah it really seems that over the last few weeks um it's been put to bed at least for the upcoming season the last probably really big name that we actually expect to move or at least now has I guess he has moved he's lodged his paperwork Tom Lynch to the Tigers yeah, the biggest name in the trade period for mine is going to the best club in the league, in my opinion. So that's free agency for you. We've got the big key forward going to come in and play alongside Jack Rewalt, the current Coleman medalist. That forward line is going to look very different next year. Yeah, really interesting one here. Um, Jack Rewalt kicked 70-odd goals this season. And then adding Tom Lynch in there um, with that already pretty dynamic small forward line, it'll be interesting to see whether that sort of disrupts the way they play or whether he just really helps them out. Um, he'll I think he'll thrive down here. Obviously, very talented. Key position forward. Um, did well even up at Gold Coast with pretty limited supply coming in and 
with the Tigers midfield feeding him, I think, you know, it's going to be a pretty scary proposition for opposition clubs. Yeah, they're the out-and-out premiership favourite for mine next year. I think this addition is is major. Everyone is talking about their, you know, forward setup of the small forwards and it's going to disrupt it. I just can't see it. A player of his standard is just going to kick bags of goals on the regular when he gets the distribution from that sort of pressure midfield that we see easy, you know, turnover ball coming into that forward 50. I think he's going to absolutely thrive. And um, I don't know what the markets are at, at the moment, but um, cheeky look at what his Coleman odds, I think, wouldn't be a too bad of a bet for mine. We'll start running through some of these names a bit quicker now. Um, looking at the Melbourne Demons, it seems like they're going to get KK, I like to call him, Cade something. Colour Jasney. There we go, Colour Jasney. Um, seems like he's going to move there relatively smoothly. And strange one, it also seems like Braden Proust will be heading there. Um, we thought that he would move for a number one ruck position. Seems like he's going to take up tutelage under Max Gorn and probably play up forward a fair bit. Yeah, weird one. Everyone's sort of a bit off-put by this, considering the amount of clubs that are after Ruckman, actual first-class, um, first AFL Ruckman this season, and he chooses to go from a team where you've got Goldstein as first ruck who's going to retire in, you know, not too long to, to the All-Australian Ruckman, Max Gorn, where everyone assumes that Bruce will be playing in the VFL side all year. But there has been a, a bit of rumour with this Hogan move that potentially they might even look at playing Bruce as the forward chopping out in the ruck to help Max Gorn, who really did look a bit beat up in the finals, a bit a bit hurt having to play that lone hand all year. So it'll be very interesting to see um, where he lines up if this move does happen. More news from the Demons. Seems like Dom Tyson will be exploring his options with the blessing of the club. I'm happy for him to have a look around. And also, Vandenberg um, seems like he's going to be off to Sydney Swans. Yeah, the Vandenberg one's a bit of a sad one. I think he lost his father very recently and he wants to move up to Sydney um, to be with his mother, which is one that the club really doesn't want to lose him but understands the situation. They really enjoyed his manic pressure and um, sort of hardness in the midfield there during that final series and don't really want to lose him, but will be a very good get for the Sydney Swans when he goes. Um, Tyson's an interesting one. He's an in-and-under player who really hasn't been able to play that um, position there at Melbourne with your Olivers and your Viney sort of taking that stead. So he's been pushed to the outside or, you know, the backline forward line has been moved around. So hopefully a club will be able to pick him up and actually play him there. Maybe, you know, like an Essendon sort of need inside mids or, um, yeah, maybe another Victorian club, your Hawthorns might even have a bit of a look at him. But um haven't heard too much word about where he'll potentially go. Joining Vandenberg at Sydney uh, is potentially Taylor Jaray is what I'm hearing as a free agent moving from Hawthorne there. And also, uh, seems like they're going to be sending a few players out. Gary Rohan is mooted to move to Geelong. And uh, Nick Newman, it seems like there might be even a straight swap. The rare uh, straight swap player trade could happen. Um, Nick Newman for Ryan Clark from North Melbourne. The Rowan one's really interesting because did you see his, what is it, a tweet or an Instagram post or a Snapchat post or something recently where he said, you know, don't believe everything you read, hashtag not wanted. So it doesn't really seem like he's been requesting a trade out of Sydney there. It seems like he's been pushed out, which has turned a few eyebrows up looking at their getting Hanabry off their books, you know, pushing out players like your Rowan and your Newmans and these sort of players who are on a bit higher coin. Everyone's sort of looking around thinking, What's Sydney up to? Have they got another trade target in mind, a big fish, or is their salary cap just sort of blown out and they really need to get it back under control? Yeah, be an interesting one to watch there, see what the Swans do in the trade period. Um, there's a few more names, obviously, moving to move around. It seems like Lysette is going to be moving. Uh, Premiership Ruckman, Scott Lysette now. He's, looks like he's moving as a free agent to Port Adelaide. 
Yeah, so going to go free agent five-year deal, I think it was on pretty good money there for Lysette, got paid, which is great for him. Um, free agency compensation, going to go back to West Coast as pick 20, so pretty much the same value as, as Gaff there by the free agency compensation, which once again shows that it's it's probably not 100% right yet. But um, yeah, that'd leave West Coast with 18, 19, and 20 if Gaff and Lysette do depart. More news from Port, there's a bit of talk going around that Chad Winger could seek a trade to a Victorian club. There's been a few mentioned, Hawthorne, St Kilda, the Western Bulldogs, all uh, clubs that have been mentioned as interested. Um, I haven't really bought into this rumour, Liam. You seem to think he's somewhat likely to go. I think the word is that he's come out and he's seen all these big money offers and he's sort of put his name out there to see if he can get those million-dollar, $900,000 a year contracts from anyone, get paid and... Um, sort of thinks that he's the quality player that should be getting that sort of money but he's put out the word and I really haven't heard too many people come back and offer him that the Dogs and the Hawks were both sort of interested when the word came out um, the Dogs actually putting forward an offer but I don't think it's anywhere near the number that he thought he would expect you've got sort of a different approach on this one yeah I just don't really seem to think that he is that keen on a move he seems to want to pay rise from Port Adelaide and, and this seems to be his way of getting it um, there was obviously that talk in his draft year that he was very keen to stay in South Australia. Um, from what I've heard, that hasn't really changed over the years, and he's still pretty keen to stay in South Australia. So I think this is more of a ploy to try and up his numbers when he re-signs with Port next season. Um, I don't expect him to leave South Australia. So along with Lysad, and we've mentioned Proust, we've got a couple of other Ruckman on the move. Tom Hickey from St Kilda. St Kilda's roundabout a Ruckman has seemed to just annoy the club to the end where they're trying to get rid of one of them and Hickey's move to someone like West Coast who are losing a, losing a life set has been um, marked a couple of times and also Roughhead from the Dogs might be on the move as well. People actually questioning whether Roughhead will actually be played as a ruckman or as a key defender wherever he goes, but um, yeah, those players on the move, do you expect them to find new clubs? It does seem pretty clear that Saints are keen to move on one of their two ruckmen and it seems like they've settled on Tom Hickey. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him end up Somewhere like West Coast. Um, Roughhead, I'm not too sure whether he will get a gig as a ruck at another club. Um, obviously playing that sort of undersized mobile ruck role. Um, at the Dogs, they now have Tim English who's going to step into that role. So I think he'll end up um, potentially moving and, and playing as a key position defender. Well, we're on rucks. I would have said some of these might move over to GWS to sort of be the move in if they lose someone like a Rory Lobb. But uh, they might have another ruckman coming back into their system. Have you heard the mummy rumours? <laughs> Yeah, Mummy to return. Um, be interesting to see what sort of shape he's oh, in. The Seems headlines. Like, yeah. Mummy returns. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I would have thought he was probably the sort of bloke who'd uh, balloon up pretty quickly by his footy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, be interesting to see what sort of shape he's in. Um, in addition to that, there's also been a few rumours about Surreoli potentially making a comeback. And uh, my actually my lines have been mentioned as a destination here. Yeah, these two players are quite interesting. Mumford sort of retired because his body just couldn't get it right. He took a lot of beating, which apparently his year off has sort of gotten his body a bit better and he thinks he's, he can come back, whereas Rioli's sort of a bit different. He had family reasons to leave and um, I don't know what would have changed there to, to make him think that he might want to come back early. But yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, the Rioli one, him coming back but not coming back to Hawthorne. Brisbane has been the one that's mentioned. Do you have any ideas of why he would uh, choose the Lions if he was to come back? I think the rumours are sort of the Fagan. Hodge connection, um, maybe the weather potentially as well, if he's enjoying that warm weather up in the Northern Territory. Um, he is still on the Hawthorne list, I think, to the end of the season. So if he was to come back, it would be via a trade um, or with the Hawthorne Hawks. Um, does sort of sound like that he won't be back this season, at least, if he is planning a comeback. Yeah, I think that's sort of how I've read it as well, is 
He's not really, you know, completely ruling it out. He's, what, 29 at the moment, so taking the year off, he'd be coming back if he does at 31, and I think any club would be happy to take him, but I'd be incredibly surprised if Rioli makes a comeback for the 2019 season. At Fremantle, you mentioned Rory Love potentially moving from the Giants. Seems like he's headed to a Western Australian club, probably Fremantle, um, and they've also signed Reese Concha, Conker Concha from uh, Richmond. Yeah, the Rory Love one's... Very interesting, uh, I think made more interesting by the Jesse Hogan factor where we've looked at Fremantle's list a few times and really couldn't figure out when we're making best 22s for the future, who's going to be in those key positions up forward, really having a few players but none that really make the sort of grade. Um, but now you're looking at potentially having Hogan full forward, Lob center half forward or a combination of that. Be incredible if they can land both of these players in the one off season. Yeah, they have a few names up forward. Um they're looking at developing they've got Matt Taberner and they have uh, Brennan Cox who's quite young and looked pretty good up forward uh, also can play down back as well so they'll have a few options if they do manage to bring uh, Rory Lobb across as well as Jesse Hogan It'd be interesting to see how they line up as a, as a unit the GWS team as a whole is quite interesting with this player movement potentially losing players like Sheila and Lobb the uh, rumor that's come out recently is that they're horribly over their cap I think Damian Barrett saying that it's about a million dollars if they keep all their players for next season, that they'll be over the cap. So some things have to change, and that's why these players like Shield and Lobber are being pushed out. But um, it's really, he, he was a very important player in their progression. I think Lob, that they expected him to be that forward ruck that'll really have an impact in both of those positions. And if he leaves, they're left with, you know, Dawson Simpson is really the lone hand. I know they've got a young ruck that they're developing there i think flynn is his name that they like for the future but to be potentially pushing deep in finals next year to have dawson simpson as your only ruck on the list if lob leaves is probably not an ideal position for the uh, gws giants another free agent on the move luke dalhouse is i believe he's signed now with uh, geelong pick 25 going to the dogs yeah, very interesting get. I know when we had Maddie on the podcast a few weeks ago, Geelong man, he was very keen to get Dalhouse over, having some of that forward pressure and sort of that um, goal-kicking ability up forward for for a bit of a forward mid to come into their system. Um, I find this one a really interesting one with the rumours that have been coming out very recently about um, sort of the culture there at the Dogs and um, the Tom Boyd rumours. I was speaking to a few people last week who were saying that um, we all know Tom Boyd struggles with, you know, coming into that club as a highly paid player and he had that, you know, fight with Ace Cordy and there was a lot of rumors that, um, the teammates were getting into him about being that highly paid player and, um, the person I was speaking to was saying that Boyd taking time off recently for mental health was due to those players bullying him at the club and Dullhouse and Libba were the two that were really marked as the players that were sort of having harsh words to say to Boyd and one of the reasons why the dogs are quite happy to have Dullhouse be pushed out. We know that uh, Bob Murphy had some words to say about Dullhouse on the way out and Dullhouse took to Snapchat to sort of have a, a swipe back there but um, I really don't think the dogs are, are too sad at losing Dullhouse at this stage. Yeah, interesting one there also with uh, Libertore still unsigned. I think most people are expecting him to get another deal with the, the doggies, but if these rumors are true, um, potentially another one on the move. Um, also on the move from the dogs, it seems like Marcus Adams uh, could be heading to the Lions, actually. Uh, he's been mooted as a trade option for West Australian clubs for a few years now, but 
uh, now being linked to the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, very interesting one. A very important player for their team. We've talked before about how their key position stocks is often low due to both injuries and personnel, but Adams being a player that can really perform well in that key position, I really think he can hold his own in the one-on-ones and would be a great pickup for many teams. As you said, Brisbane has been one that's been mentioned. I've heard Collingwood as well been thrown around for his name. I think a few people would be after his services, um, but surely the dogs would really be keen to keep him if they can. Yeah, I imagine the dogs would be pretty keen to keep him. Um, I also heard the Pies rumors, or the latest word there, I think, is with the re-signing of Darcy Moore, who's planning to play in defense. Um, I don't think there's so much in the race for Adams anymore. Um, but it'd be interesting to see where he does end up. Haven't heard too much about him moving to Brisbane until quite recently. So um, if he does end up there, then I'll be I'll be wrapped. But still a lot to come on the, the Marcus Adams move, I think. Yeah, Darcy Moore re-signing seems to sort of coincide with this understanding that Collingwood wouldn't be able to get it done for Stephen May in this trade period, that they were sort of not really in the position to to satisfy the Gold Coast. So they've re-signed Darcy Moore, and they're in the process of re-signing Tom Langdon, who we mentioned before, talking about the grand finals, sort of got a bit of a payday. I've heard rumors that Freeman have offered him up to a $600,000 a season contract. Um, sort of Collingwood holding off on um, offering him a contract until right now they thought that they could sort of push his contract to the end and get him on pretty low money that his management wasn't very happy with. So be interesting to see if they've sort of um, upset the relationship there and he does sort of look to leave. But I think recent word is that he will get re-signed on a bit of a bigger money pay packet than he was before his final series began. There's a few other players as well. Uh, mooted for a move. Uh, Lincoln McCarthy seems headed to the Lions. That one will happen. Um, seems like Alex Fasolo will move relatively cheaply from the Pies to the Blues after playing most of the season in the twos. Um, as we mentioned, there's a few cap struggles with GWS, and it seems like Finlayson and Setterfield would both be looking for options. I think Setterfield word is potentially the Blues or the Dons, and Finlayson will be an interesting one. Um, quality player, I'll be... I think you'll get interest from most clubs. Yeah, I think North Melbourne's the one name I keep hearing around Finlayson. Although North Melbourne's linked to so many players at this stage, I think he'll be one of those ones that'll be a, a last-minute priority. Um, as you mentioned on the previous podcast, Finlayson, just one of those players that might need a little bit more money than GWS are willing to pay for those fringe players uh, with their cap struggles. So one of the ones that they're happy to keep but um, might be pushed out for money reasons. Uh, not more bad news for the Gold Coast. It seems like Jack Scrimshaw will be seeking a trade back to Victoria. Um, not too surprised here. Um, in his draft year, he was talked about as one that was probably going to head home at some point. I was a bit surprised that he did get drafted by the Gold Coast um, as a result, but it seems like that's coming to fruition. He'll be moving back down to Victoria. Um, and in terms of getting players in, it sounds like they'll be getting a few. I think Miles and Ellis from uh, from Richmond, sorry, and also George Holland smith from Geelong. Yeah, um, I've heard Townsend's name thrown up from Richmond as well. So a bit of that Tigers depth that might be leaving, we've heard that with the money they're going to pay Lynch and um, they've had a few key players sort of take unders for a few years um, that they can't really push many more people to, to do that. They've had to lose a lot of these depth players who are quite happy to go and get greater opportunities at some lesser clubs. So as you mentioned there, Miles and Townsend and um, Lloyd to the Dogs has been one that's been um, pretty well documented. So the Tigers losing some of this depth when you add those players to your conquer that's already moving out. There's been a bit of a, a loss in that depth for a team that sort of has had a really good run with injuries. They hope that they can keep that going next year because if not, they might be looking at um, a few um, lesser names in that depth. Speaking of depth, one of the more interesting uh, aspects of this trade and draft period is the 
New allowance for signing of state league players for some of the lower tier clubs there. So you've got Carlton and Gold Coast who are both qualifying for that special assistance this season. Um, Gold Coast will be allowed to select three players from the state leagues to pre-draft and Carlton will be allowed to select two. Um, there's a few names that have been touted here, Liam. Who are we hearing? Yeah, so they're allowed to keep these players or trade them. So one that I've really heard is McAdams getting picked up by Carlton, a South Australian boy who they might actually ship off in a trade to get McGovern in from Adelaide. Yeah, also South Australian boy, this Mitch Grigg has dominated the recent Sample Grand Final. He had something like 30 touches alongside six goals um, to cap off a really good season. I think he's won the best and fairest there two years in a row now, um, or at least placed very highly. So he's probably a chance to get another gig on an AFL list after being, I believe it was a Crows rookie, was it? Uh, yeah, I think that rings a bell. Yeah, um, also a few other names that might get a second chance. Sam Collins, uh, formerly on the Fremantle list, has gone back to Box Hill and been quite dominant in the aerial contest down there, taking a lot of contested marks. Um, there's also talk that Gold Coast has settled on two players. They're going to be taking Corbett and Burgess, from both from the VFL, I believe. Yeah, there's lots of names here, um, Hind and Gibbons and a few others. I expect a few of these players to be picked up in this draft, and the ones that miss out will probably get a get a gig um, throughout the national draft or rookie drafts. I think that there are a few really good options, and I think clubs are finally looking at these players with the emergences of your Maya Checks and your Kellys over the last few draft periods that have really stepped into the grade pretty well. Uh, I really expect a few more of these mature age players to get picked up in this um, trade and draft season. Interesting uh, decision, I think, by the AFL to allow these picks to be traded. Um, the idea here is obviously to help these struggling teams with some mature bodies instead of picking more kids onto their list. Um, it does seem a bit strange for them to now allow these picks to be traded. Um, in the past, Gold Coast had sort of these zone access as well, and they traded Dane's Orko to the Lions, one that they'll no doubt regret there. He's now a four-time best and fairest winner at AFL-level All-Australian player, so one that they missed out there. Um, better hope, I think, for Carlton and Gold Coast that they're not missing out on the next Dane Zorka here. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting decision. The idea is to give them these picks so that they can improve their list very quickly as, as soon as this season. So I think it's quite an interesting decision to let them trade them off. I mean, the AFL is obviously looking at it where the Blues are going to struggle to get McGovern in and he will have an immediate impact. So they're sort of, um, I think, making up as they go here. But yeah, very interesting one. I think it'll be um, really important to these developing clubs to this is instead of getting priority picks, so instead of getting one kid, these teams are going to get three mature age bodies. That's a big jump, and it's something that sort of the rest of the uh, AFL is quite happy with, that they don't lose access to their kids. Um, these are players they could have picked up previously but have already overlooked because they're still in the state league. So sort of the clubs, I think, are a little happier with it being a few state league players rather than a priority pick. But um, some of the people that aren't very happy with this decision are the state leagues themselves. I know especially the Sandful have been making some calls to the AFL asking how the addition of these players is really going to affect them and also how the addition of these players in the proposed rookie draft mid-season is going to affect their competitions. Yeah, that mid-season rookie draft uh, that's being touted, I think it's official now. It's going to be introduced next season. Um, that'll be an interesting one. So I guess the idea here is to allow teams who've had a long-term injury to a key player, um, perhaps a ruckman or key position stock seems somewhat likely um, due to the depth of midfield as most clubs have. Um, yeah, picking up a player from the State League to top up your list as you move towards the finals. Um, Liam, how do you like it? As a theory, I think it is a really good one. Um, I don't like the idea of mid-season trading of players between clubs, but the ability to pick someone up from the state leagues to bring in to, to fill a need coming in the back end of the season is something that could work out well, but 
There's also situations where it might not work out so well. We were talking before, you think that it might be a bit of a, a factor where we know that the picks are going to be in reverse ladder order, so the teams at the bottom of the ladder will get the first picks, but it will be mostly to help teams that will be going deep into finals if they lose, say, a Ruckman or something and need to pick up a Ruckman, but those teams that need it will not be getting the first sort of access to these players. So how do you see it sort of playing out? Yeah, there's also, you know, I mean, if, if I was sitting second on the ladder and, and I had a, a state league rookie pick and I knew that the team who was sitting first on the ladder desperately needed a Ruck, I'd probably just select a Ruck and, and sit them on my list so they couldn't select them. So it, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. And as you mentioned, the in theory, the best players here will be going to the bottom clubs. I'm not really sure how they how the contracts work too. They'll be signed to contracts that seemingly would expire mid-season, I guess, if they're going to be yeah. um, standard years contracts. So it, it's interesting to see how the AFL will work this one out. Um, I, as you mentioned, I, I don't really like um, mid-season trading either. I think it opens up lots of cans of worms that are, are better left unopened. So the rookie draft seems like a bit of a compromise to allow clubs to cover injured players, but not sure how successful it will be in that regard. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how it works. I think the AFL is still figuring out how it will all go. Um, those sandful calls that I mentioned earlier are pretty much saying, you know, asking the AFL what's going to happen where we have contracts to these players and what if, you know, five of the players from one team in the sandful get taken, then that sandful team's really under fire for how they're going to go for the rest of the year, but also, you know, into the future. They need to have a bit of a understanding with the AFL of how they're going to set up um, these moves and what that means for the contracts and the uh, players that they have in the teams currently. Yeah, lots to figure out for the AFL here. Um, don't really want to be interfering with the state leagues too much. Um, potentially, this is sort of the start of the push towards the AFL making a national reserves competition, something that's been talked about for quite a while. Um, in that sense, that could work out if you were simply just allowed to elevate players off your list um, or off your um, reserves team to the main list and play them in the ones. Um, that could be something they look at in the future, but until then, they've got a lot to figure out in terms of contracts. And it'll be interesting to see how teams use this as well. As we said, there's a potential for strategy of taking players that your main competition will want, but also the teams lower down on the ladder when they have access to these players mid-year. Are we going to see teams that sort of pick up a, you know, a Grig or a, a Collins or these players that they might look at pulling in next year through the draft to get them in their system, into their training regime and sort of have a look at those players that way. Are they going to take really young players or more mature ages? Um, it's really interesting to see and we'll, we'll wait and uh, see how it pans out. Yeah, one thing that we're looking forward to seeing and obviously looking forward to this uh, drafts and trades period. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of player movement this season, which we always enjoy. No doubt we'll be on here in the next week or so with wrapping up some of the trade period, what's happened so far and what's still to come.